0: gang
1: welcome to your basket is empty a space where i sit down with the world's most interesting and insightful agency folks each bi-monthly episode is a 35 minute deep dive into their journey and how they are navigating the current digital landscape so if you're an agency founder operator or tech partner and you want to learn more about what it's like to start grow scale and work with an agency then you've come to the right place your basket is empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news interviews with original ecom thinkers, a jobs board an event listing section and a playlist. So, if you're an ecom nerd or wanna be nerd, go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On episode 64, I'm sitting down with the directors of Studio Rotate, Jim, Andy and Chris. Studio Rotate are both a client of mine and a headless agency. We discuss the origins of the agency, why the tech stack is secondary to solving client problems, the evolution and future of headless and composable commerce, why working with brands like Seedlip and Chili's at their early stages of growth was so powerful, why being a fractional digital team is a great way to work with clients, the advantages of hiring senior talent and building a high-performing team, and their go-to agency internal tech stack, which includes Notion, Asana, Linear, Slack, Figma, slash FigJam. Before we get into it, this podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over thirty thousand e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started today for free by visiting klaviyo.com. Your basket is empty. That's k-l-a-v-i-o.com. Your basket is empty enjoy the episode fellas welcome to the pod uh it's been a long time coming i'm glad that we're all here uh i want to know how you all are and where you all are and jim i'm going to start with you how are you and where are you
2: um yeah i'm good thanks great to see you um yeah i'm great um i'm at home today obviously like living my best life um yeah uh unfortunately um I say, unfortunately, I was out last night with um, uh, with Tom and Co, namely Tom from Tom and Co, a great a great agency, and um, yeah, we had uh, one too many red wines, but apart okay. from that, I'm, I'm in good spirits.
1: All right, well, well, we'll get him on the pod and get his side
0: of what happened last
1: night as well, <laughs> Chris. Uh,
0: how are you? Where are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's good. It's Friday. It's been a busy week. Um, I, I I kind of reside down in deep dark Kent. Um so yeah there's lots of green fields and grass outside kind of my sanctuary. So um yeah yeah I'm feeling good today. Um good. looking forward to the weekend. Looking
3: forward to this chat. Nice. Andy hey uh yep all good as well I'm also in Kent less less dark part of Kent so I'm in Tumidge wells Um nice. yeah we do we do three days uh, at home generally two days in the studio that's typically what happens some members of the team go in more but
1: yeah nice that's a lovely hybrid setup Jim I'm going to start with you and we usually like to take a bit of a rewind here so take us back to the start why did you decide to start an agency
2: um yeah so I I had a I actually had an agency before this one and um it was a it was in partnership with someone else and um Yeah, and we were kind of like guns, like technical, you know, like guns for hire, like developers. I've kind of been coding since like the late, first started coding in the late 90s. Makes me sound incredibly old, which I am. Um, But yeah, at one point, it just didn't feel like a good fit anymore. I remember Chris, me and Chris go a long way back and worked together for a a long time. And I remember asking him for some advice, you know, like, where where should I go from here? You know, should I... uh, should I just, you know, become like a freelance developer, or you know, whatnot? And and Chris kind of said, "Well, where do you want to be in like, you know, ten years time?" He's so, he's so wise, Chris. That's <laughs> Quite quite unassuming, but very wise. Um, he said, "Where do you want to be in ten years?" And yeah, it was great actually, like yeah, um, that kind of advice, and uh, you know, kind of thinking, actually, no, know, I want to build something, and I want to change the focus. I want to really focus on the craft and, and making stuff that I love and enjoy working on and with great people, um, around me. And weirdly that's always kind of been like the North star at rotate. I think it's actually the glue that kind of holds us all together and, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of like deeply rooted in the, in the company. Um, so they, yeah, that was like nine years ago. Um, nice. and yeah, I wanted to work directly with business owners and, you know, founders and understand the business problems and work, you know, closely with them. And, uh, I feel that's what we still do today. (laughs) And Um, I want
1: to, I want to touch on the, um, the sort of like tech stack or I suppose approach and like, um, we'll get more into it throughout the conversation, but headless is kind of more of a thing now, but I'm keen to understand what it was like back in 2013 and like, how do you view the agency then talking about headless or composable compared to now? Do you think it's crowded now? Do you think there's opportunity is the pie big enough how do you kind of think about it sort of more broadly
2: <laughs> yeah so um the goal was never like to be headless the goal was to sort you know solve business business problems and I think um you know in that sense kind of the compo- you know like composable commerce as it's kind of like thrown around quite a lot now was was kind of us you know looking at how we can kind of best solve um business solutions uh, initially a lot of this was around like restrictions from like the user experience like using experience has and always has been like extremely important at rotate like we're very focused on that um and the limitations that many kind of like e-commerce platforms had kind of forced us kind of you know look at other solutions and that kind of i think that in you know in the early days that's kind of what pushed us towards headless i think back then you know like seven plus years ago it was you know much harder to do that i mean it's great that the the marketplace as a whole has kind of moved to being especially around that like more kind of like composable architecture has kind of you know moved towards that it's made things far easier and brought the costs you know down dramatically in terms of like kind of building those solutions but you know ultimately we wanted to build solutions that would last you know we've worked with clients you know but thankfully you know most of our clients stay with us you know for a very long time and i'm proud to say we've never rebuilt from the ground up any of our sites you know we've iterated we have changed out large parts of it Mm -hmm. and that's only because we've always laid those kind of like composable or you know or headless kind of like foundations on our sites
1: i think that's good Uh, we'll get more into the headless space um i want to bring the other guys into the conversation andy um what drew you to rotate and what's your primary focus at the agency
3: uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I used to work uh, more in brand than digital uh, at an agency called Ragged Edge. Um, I was there for about five years, um, and my paths crossed with Jim on a project. So we were doing a website for the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Um, this must have been seven, eight years ago, eight years ago. I don't know, um, a while back. Um, and I really enjoyed Jim's sort of anything is possible sort of mindset and approach to tech i think jim alluded to it earlier like tech isn't like it's an enabler right it's not the not, not the end result um and that wasn't always the case with lots of developers i worked with um so that was a new experience that i enjoyed also uh my best friend adam was also a designer and director at rotate he's since uh up sticks and moved to uh, america uh, portland um so it's a bit of a no-brainer with, with those two um um yes yeah, so that's about seven years ago now i at rotate i have two focuses if you can call that focus um so design and growth um yeah so i guess i've transitioned from being a designer to like more director type duties pushing the company forward uh where possible in certain areas so yeah design it's it's me being a bit of a hovering art director generally trying to keep standards as high as possible pushing things where i can challenging the team and the clients um and then the other aspect which is sort of newer for me at least is growth of the company um so building our profile and a team around this um so we're, it's a real concerted effort at the minute just to sort of yeah shout about rotate tell people uh what we do who we are and yeah that's that's a a key focus of mine
1: at the minute nice and chris uh you're at a marketing agency before rotate i'm curious what sort of drew you to rotate in the headless space other than giving gym coaching advice (laughs)
0: um yeah so uh, i was a co-founder of a um uh what we called ourselves like a creative social technology agency actually. And um uh, I guess our, our pitch was just working with brands to help them leverage um social media through APIs and kind of open technology. Um, my sort of background sort of digital and social media. I, I worked at MySpace for a, a few years and kind of sort of helped run a digital team there. And the agency I founded was uh was founded with two other ex MySpace colleagues when Rupert Murdoch uh, made us redundant. Um <laughs> and um uh so we yeah, we initially we had sort of plans to have it was kind of an agency with a technology platform, and it kind of evolved just to be kind of agency side. Um, but a lot of the work we were doing was, I suppose, in the mindset of Headless really. So stitching um sort of various platforms together through APIs, whether that's sort of Facebook or Instagram. Um and uh just building like compelling experiences for, for customers and for users. Um so yeah we, we did that for the likes of like Netaporte, Samsung, Verve Clico, um, uh, the Daily Mirror. Um and um yeah, as Jim mentioned, like we've we've been friends for a long time and um uh, you know sort of worked together a long time ago um uh, in the music industry. And um, yeah, I got chatting with Jim as as the other agency was kind of winding down. Um, he was keen to I think they were looking at like building out sort of more growth services and that sort of three hundred and sixty offering for uh, for Rotate. Um, and um, yeah, so we I sort of consulted with them and then and then kind of came on board as a director um, sort of soon after and um, uh, helped initially kind of build up that kind of growth services, which is which is morphed into some of more product management now um yeah fast forwarding into, into 2023
1: nice andy i want to switch back to you um you touched on it before but rotates remained slightly below the the parapet for a while and now you're um starting to raise the profile of the agency like why do you think now is a good time to do it and kind of like what have you been up to
3: yeah um so i guess we just wanted to focus on the craft um we were never particularly I don't think we were great sales people maybe um so yeah we just uh always thought and I, I still think to be honest doing good work you know equaled good business um so we were just focused on that I just, and I just don't think we had the headspace to do anything else um we had you know like a maybe built up a small following in in like a small circle of the design world mm-hmm. uh, at least so I'm told um but I think we were, to be honest, we were deliberately sort of aloof. Uh, We were three guys in a shipping container in Bethnal Green and we wanted, we didn't want people to know that uh, (laughs) because of the sort of jobs and clients that we wanted to to get. Uh, We thought, you know, we thought we could do world-class work and maybe that wasn't the perceived environment to do it in. Um, So for instance, we worked with uh, Pictet, who are like the world's largest private bank, Swiss Bank, um, and Loewe, who are like a you know big fashion brand. And I think at the time, if they saw where we worked, maybe wouldn't have done those jobs. Um, but yeah, stealth mode uh, got us so far. And I think it you know to get the best talent in the world and and clients, we needed to um, put our heads above the parapet really um and in doing that at the minute we're sort of focusing on content and partnerships so content is a bit of a longer term play um i guess being a bit of an authority on headless and composable um and then partnerships um in particular like e-com our e-com partners so shopify commerce layer uh potentially centra as well um yeah so just sort of hiring uh, creating a team to sort of Build this up, maintain it. Um, Yeah, and we've launched our our new website very recently, Mm -hmm. uh, studiorotate.com. Check it out. I highly recommend people go and look at it,
1: definitely. Jim, I want to come back to you and we, we've touched on it a couple of times and as I said, you know, the, the conversation will be peppered with headless and composable but I'm wondering uh, how do you think about it in terms of does headless have a bit of a branding problem? Should we be calling it that? Should we be calling it composable? Should we be calling it modular? How do you think about it and how do you think clients think
2: about it? Um, First of all, I'm glad that you just let let it lie that Andy did that shameless plug um, but um, <laughs> yeah, in terms of... um. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think there's actually, uh, more recently, there has been a change in terms of, so first of all, when we talked about headless historically, what we've actually been talking about is composability, right, and basically being able to curate the solution that the client needs, rather than, cool, here's something that's off the shelf that tries to, you know, for like the majority of people's needs. But, you know, the one thing that, you know, hopefully we've learned over the years is that Actually, every business is different. Their challenges are different. And actually, very quickly overnight, they can have new challenges. And so building an architecture where we can kind of cater for change is is probably like one of the most powerful things that you can kind of do in terms of longevity. I hated, hated the idea that, you know, there was a cycle of companies building websites and literally ripping all their learnings up every three years and building things from the ground up you know, it's kind of like you wouldn't do this if you're ent- in an enterprise kind of like level, level business. So like, why should these kind of small, you know, small to medium kind of like businesses kind of be doing this? So it's, it's kind of driven uh, driven by kind of like business needs. Um, but in terms of, sorry, in terms of branding, getting back to the branding of it, um, I feel that at the moment, it's very much kind of um, described as, you know, headless. Um, but, but headless is kind of on that scale of composability. You have like the monolith at one end, which is kind of like, you know, this is doing everything for you. Nothing is kind of like composed or curated. Mm-hmm. Now, the other end, you have something that's fully kind of composable. He- headless is kind of on that journey. Um, I think as we get more maturity in the space, people will move from talking about headless to kind of talking about kind of composability. Um, I mean, Shul5 started doing it, which is, I think, a great sign, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, initially, they were talking headless, headless, headless and now they're kind of talking more about composability which i think is great because headless when you talk about composability you're talking about solving like it, it comes from a place of solving business problems whereas when you talk about headless that's kind of a really case so there is a bit of a branding problem there's a lot, a lot of confusion in the space um uh, occasionally you know i talk to like vcs and like you you know often like brands and stuff and you can tell by talking to people there's a lot of confusion in the space but yeah we should i think we should be talking about composability and how you know that is you know solving kind of business problems and that's kind of like the primary focus yeah. yeah
1: yeah i like that i think the um uh you you mentioned something really interesting there about like it's like an agent for change you know like having a composable architecture means that as the world moves which it has done rather rapidly in the last three years, you know, a business can keep up. I think that that's a really interesting, we might take some notes for our own branding exercises, you know, further down the line. I'm, I, think, I am taking notes. <laughs> um,
2: I mean, I think one, 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 just like small case study, which is, you know, it's literally, you know, we had Chili's who we are completely composable architecture, but, you know, Shopify power, you know, kind of powering the e-commerce element of that and literally in the space of, you know, under two months, one developer, moved to commerce layer move moved, you know moved the underpinnings of the, the the you know e-commerce architecture to kind of commerce layer and it's that kind of flexibility nothing else changed we just changed that one part and that meant also that we could completely you know test the impact that kind of had you know in terms of performance and you know conversion and uh reduce kind of like checkout abandonment. but yeah i think that's just a, an example as a you know case study
1: yeah nice chris uh i'm curious from your perspective uh what projects are you most proud of? And are there any you'd rather forget? <laughs> um, <laughs> any that you can talk yeah. about that you'd rather
0: forget? Because no, I, no. I mean, I'm going
1: to be honest, as an agency, there are. Let's be honest. There are.
0: <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, in terms of the the successful ones, I think like, um, yeah, Seedlip is is one that that sort of really springs to mind first. So, um, if you don't know them, they're the, uh, the world's sort of first non-alcoholic spirit um and we kind of started working with them when it was just the founder uh ben branson um and so uh i think yeah we we took a gamble on on him as much as uh uh you know um uh, him gambling on us but um i think like even when he first came to us like he wasn't even factoring in you know kind of e-commerce uh i think he just wanted sort of a branding a branding site and um yeah that wasn't even in his plan so we we convinced him that there was a, an opportunity there um and um you know we've we've worked with them all the way uh, you know from it just being Ben to um uh then becoming like this internationally recognized uh almost sort of category defining brand um and um yeah in 2019 i think 2020 they were acquired by diageo um and um yeah now it kind of you know well established international brand and the site went through a few iterations along the way as well. So we kind of, um, uh, I suppose, helped them scale depending on the needs of the business. So initially there was like one product, then it moved to two. It had a very slick kind of like one-page website. that um, won a few awards, uh, which is nice. nice. Um, and, um, and then as the brand evolved, you know, the needs of the site changed as well. So there was a lot more focus on content. Um, as well as they you know expanded into new territories and things like that so yeah we we, we look back on Clip as you know a real uh, I suppose great case study for how we work and how we kind of evolve you know throughout a, a partnership with a brand um, another one I suppose is Chili's as Jim mentioned earlier so we've been working with them sort of over over five years now um, uh, initially we sort of looking after their their kind of flagship e-commerce store and Um, along the way we've we've sort of helped them expand into i think like over 40 territories now Um, and more recently we've started to support them with their sort of b2b and co-brand offering Um, and um, we've had a real seat at the table throughout and it's i think it's just been yeah complete privilege to be uh to have played like a, a, a small part in their in their success of the brand and so, okay, maybe we'll leave the
1: ones we'd rather not talk about in our...
0: <laughs> in our closet. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there has been a few maybe forgettable projects, but um, uh, yeah, you know, it's that that's relationships at the end of the day. Some don't always work out, I suppose.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, maybe that's a whole other pod is like relationship (laughs) within within an agency environment (laughs) Andy um, so we've talked a bit about like the the headless space composable and kind of the origin stories and and where you guys are at at the moment but I'm keen to learn a little bit more about which is ultimately the fundamental foundation of an agency and that's the people right so what does the team at Rotate look like both your team and broadly across the other divisions Um, how many people have you got what's the future team and like maybe you could describe what the culture is like internally rotate because i think that's super important uh in these sorts of professional services environments
3: okay cool culture well what is culture we'll come back to that one um yeah so i guess you can kind of think of us as a bit of a a plug-in digital team for our sort of our clients um so yeah i guess imagine a venn diagram we're somewhere at the intersection of a of agency and product which is which is in house so i think that's that's a good way to think of us and how we sort of behave with clients in terms of the the team itself we are around 25 people or so rotate um we have made a point of hiring senior people across the board um so there's no juniors at rotate i think 5 years is the least experience somebody has of a, like yeah. a Um, So, yeah, I think that was, if anything, just to mitigate as many sort of internal headaches, process sort of uh, issues as as possible. So we were just sort of, you know, helping ourselves. Um, But yeah, we work in cross-functional project teams. um, There's lots of supplementary specialists sort of floating around, Um, so staff engineers, data analysts. SEO, things like that. Um we've also just built a new services layer and a shaping team. Um so we have these these those cross-functional project teams, but then there's these other layers now who, who do work outside of that. So that might be more consultative, sort of high-level strategic stuff, as well as the more tactical sprints. Um it's becoming quite hard to do both um in parallel for the project teams. Um so those those layers include head of engineering head of product head of growth head of design so this this new layer that we've sort of added which is um really going to help us at sort of leadership level um yeah and ultimately i guess we're trying to hire specialists who are hopefully better than we are at our respective disciplines that you know we used to do day in day out so we, we want people we want to hire people better than us um yeah
1: yeah, well, that, that, it's, it's funny you say about the the junior uh, people stuff. And I think it's like, um, a, 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 no offense to junior people, like they're, they're junior, right? They're like early on in their careers. But I think, especially with small companies, we kind of think that we're going to get this unicorn, right? We get these juniors in, we're going to train them up and they're going to become these like amazing mid-level. But yeah. I think especially with agencies, that means that you're veering into territory of becoming an a educational company, right? Or a progression company. And it's really tough. It's like really, really hard.
3: Yeah, I, it became. I think we had this sort of policy before COVID, and then we sort of thought about maybe, you know, hiring more junior people. But I think going fully remote because of COVID and you know what it forced everybody to do, it became harder for those types of people. We weren't set up to support them, yep. to be honest. Yep. So yeah, that's that's kind of how we, that's how we got there.
1: So Chris, if you were to describe the culture rotate how would you describe it
3: nice i passed that one on
0: <laughs> yeah you you avoided that one andy i did um, yeah i like it um i'm no offense tim but i'm not a big fan of this question uh i never think like culture is something that you can like truly defining kind of yeah yeah no i
1: yeah this is this is i want Um, robust i want robust debate in my podcast i want people to challenge me yeah Yeah. no i'm
0: curious yeah I, i mean i tend to agree
1: with you so yeah tell me all about it
0: yeah i think you know the moment you get to the point where you're trying to write it down you're already in trouble um i think like the way i i look at it is you know we we've put together like a group of like really talented individuals who are really strong at collaborating together they, you know, they push each other to produce, you know, we like to say we want people at Rotate to produce the best work of their career whilst they're here um, and hopefully, like, enjoy the ride <laughs> as, yeah, as it goes along. Um, and I think hopefully the culture can be self-organising if we get that right. And we, you know, we we almost identify people who maybe aren't right in our kind of hiring process. And, you know, culture and fit is is kind of a requirement when we're, when we're interviewing and things like that. So um I think we've we've got a strong sense of what it is, but it's kind of in the ether, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I think yeah, well like culture can be probably I mean that's a whole other topic. I think there's there's loads of um um people that are really into that stuff. But I, I think that maybe sometimes we not really knowing how to define it and draw that out then we try and do it we don't get experts in the room and then it just becomes this kind of like weird fluffy thing so but yeah that vibe thing I, I think is super important right especially in that like interview stage is like making sure that you get the vibe the only thing i think that's interesting and i was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day is like how do you or how does one balance vibe culture whatever it is with bringing in diverse thought right and i think that can be a bit of a challenge right like creating echo chambers is quite an easy thing to do and in some ways i think you kind of in some ways you need to which might be a bit controversial but i think if someone's like early stage company needs people that are super proactive and they're go-getters and they can basically swim not sink right and if you need a lot of those they're all probably going to be very similar right so you're kind of by design you have to create this slight echo chamber but i think as companies grow then that's when you can sort of increase your diversity of thought a bit because you've got the the bandwidth to do so
0: yeah no 100% I think also it's um, we've found maybe not so much now but kind of you know a couple of years ago is uh, you can't as directors it can't be totally on us to sort of push that forward so identifying like you know sort of like culture lieutenants that are, you know sort of peppered around the uh, the business in different departments who can kind of you know sing from the hymn sheet as it were and you know get that sort of point across you know the you know the kind of the the values and uh you know the overall mission of the agency and and kind of uh, i suppose sort of filter that throughout you know everyone in the uh, in the team
1: so jim you've been doing this for a while what surprised you most <laughs> over that time
2: Again, you're kind of remarking about how old I am. So you know, <laughs> you know, shots fired. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought we were friends. Um, in, your, in your webmaster days, yeah? In <laughs> your webmaster days. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You get to wear a cape if you're a webmaster. I think that's what I really miss. Um, but yes, um, I think what su- has continually surprised me is that I would have thought that after, like like saying, over a decade of, of doing this, um, I'd feel fatigued by it. You know like that you know if you do anything for long enough that you'd kind of like lose the passion for it whatever i feel i honestly feel like i've got more energy and passion for this than i've ever had and i think that's because you know first of all i'm surrounded by incredibly talented people like we've hired people at rotate are truly you know world-class like individuals in terms of their skill sets and i'm you know i'm amazed and i learn every day from all of them and we learn from our clients right and also, you know, every day is a school day and, you know, you're kind of exposed to all these different businesses who have different problems. I love the challenges that we have. And I, you know, I love working with an amazing team to kind of sol- solve that. So, yeah, I think the main thing is that I would have thought, you know, if I went back 10 years ago, you know, it's like, well, how will you feel if you've been doing this for 10 years? I said, I wouldn't have thought I would have the energy and, and the love of, you know, of what we're kind of doing. Um, yeah, and I do. i absolutely love it (laughs) so yeah that's what surprised me i think that's what surprised me the most like yeah that that i feel like this
1: So yeah um and andy um have you got any technology within the space something that you're super excited about either that could be platforms we talked about like you know the commerce layers in the centers of the world I don't know. That email thing you showed me the other day was pretty cool where it amalgamates all the email into one user interface. I thought that was quite cool. Uh any tech that you're particularly interested or excited about within our world?
3: Um I can't even remember what what that email thing was. Um <laughs> Spark or something? Is that it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm a fan of Spark. Okay. So of Spark. yeah, cool. they've just updated the app actually. So oh, nice. Um so wait,
0: someone someone can invent a really robust resourcing and utilization tool uh i'm all ears because uh, that is a constant thorn in my side <laughs> interesting interesting um when, why... when you're going when you're going back to google docs it's uh, uh, uh google sheets it's a it's a problem
1: okay interesting well that maybe is an interesting question like yeah what 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 sort of tech have you got running behind the scenes and how does it work and what do you think could be better To you, Chris.
0: I you want to take that. Oh, to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, we're, we're heavily invested in a few tools. So I guess notions one, um, you know, great for like internal docs and wikis. We use, we use it for, um, any sort of, uh, sprint documentation clients all have their own wikis as well. Um, yeah. Amazing tool, everything. I think if, you know, if notion disappeared, we'd be in trouble um we also use uh sort of asana um for a lot of our sort of project management um so yeah any sort of sprints and uh, collaboration with uh with clients we do on that recently been exploring uh linear as well um as a, as a new tool um similar to asana but uh, a lot more uh, opinionated uh which is which is good
2: um what else do we use Slack is a bit of a lifeblood of the company, Slack, like most yeah, companies. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like, and I say that I think, you know, with all these tools, it's about improving communication, right? So, you know, we have direct communication with all our clients. I think that's, again, you know, with those kind of like senior bods in the, in the team, it's nice that they have that constant, like clients speak directly to, you know, the practitioners. There's no like conduits, you know, like sitting in between the client, like it's their team, right? You know, and uh, and and I think like all the tools that Chris is come kind of to talking about, ultimately they're just there to kind of enable better communication and like that's kind of at the heart of everything really you know you know you improve communication whether that's kind of like i think also like asynchronous communication as well like you know going to meetings someone's kind of paired you know like all documentation in, in notion you kind of work through it together i mean figma it, in the last kind of few years you know figma and fig jam is is amazing like with you know yep. collaboratively doing architectural diagrams and then you know it's like it, uh, you know, and clients, clients are kind of in there being talked through by the design team and, you know, kind of putting comments like, but again, they just um, think, <laughs> am I going to say there's a positive coming out of COVID, but one of the one of the positives possibly was, you know, that kind of push for like communication tools and kind of making that kind of stuff better, both asynchron- asynchronously and, and, and kind of real time and tools like Figma, tools mm-hmm. like Slack, like have have really been, you know, the lifeblood blood to kind I mean... of like, make sure that we can kind of comms around that stuff. Yeah.
3: Even like when we do it know, in-person workshops now, we'll still have fig jam on in the background.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We've moved away from the whiteboard to the digital whiteboard, um, which I think is testament to the success of it.
1: Um, I yeah. agree, I agree. Um, I'm keen to sort of round out the conversation. So from each of you guys, we'll start with you, Andy. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you would give to somebody starting their own agency? I'm um, not sure. <laughs> we can come back to you.
3: Yeah, go on. Come back to okay. me. Okay, Chris.
0: Um, I think I'd probably say make sure that you've you have perspective. Um, I think because I mean, if you're running an agency or or any business for that matter, you have like you have very high highs and then there are there are a number of lows i suppose um and um i think you feel them more as a as a business owner or agency owner um and um and they, you know they can be they can be exhausting right um it's that kind of roller, roller coaster ride so strap in be prepared um and just just know that you're it's not just going to be you're not going to have awesome days every day um and just kind of yeah uh, make sure you, you keep perspective around that Eddie
3: um yeah I guess um what sprung to mind was about taking that time up front before you have the pressures of I guess um uh you know of, of a team and everything else mm. that sort of comes with an agency the sort of financial um commitments just take the time up front to figure out exactly what it is you want to do you enjoy doing um and and go get it don't you know ideally don't don't take the work on that you you don't want to do it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right um so yeah go seek out what you want to do do it um yeah
1: i like it jim
2: what's your one piece of advice um accept that you don't know anything no one does like stay vulnerable you know and uh and and open to kind of like constantly learning, right? And um, and most importantly, make sure that you love what you're doing. Like Chris says, there's highs and there's lows. And if you're not passionate and you don't love it, it's gonna be quite hard to kind of get through that, right? So I never like the idea of like building up an agency to kind of sell it. I love what I do, love the people I work with, you mm-hmm. know, and feel pretty blessed around that stuff. And that's why, as we you know, going back to what we said earlier, that's why, you know, 10 years, 10 years on, you know, um, I'm loving it more today than I ever have
1: yeah nice okay i'm going to end on you jim because we
2: started with you where is rotate in three years um so there's a number of i guess there's a, a number of places that we want to be like i have like you know with the guys we have like a vision and of where you know where we kind of you know normal we which we're trying to get to and that's continually kind of improving quality of the work that we kind of do like ongoing you know, in terms of like the goals for all the departments, it's very much related to like doing the best work we can do. It's also about like accessibility of like the work we do. So I find, especially like in the headless and composable commerce space, it's super expensive. And you know we've been working pretty hard over the last year to kind of look at how we can improve the quality, but also bring down the kind of base costs for stuff mm-hmm. um, within that space. Um, so yeah, but ultimately we, I mean our goal and what holds us together in terms of value system as a company like the kind of belief behind all of us is that we literally want to do the best work of our lives at rotate and we want to create an environment that kind of facilitates facilitates that
1: right i think that's a great way to end the pod andy chris jim thank you so much for joining me thanks tim yeah thanks There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. Before I go, a quick word for my sponsor, Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at klaviyo.com your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.